The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, the Roach, Michelangelo Rucci from Adelaide joins us shortly. Uh, Keith from Broome's listening in. He's texting on the Tempera Bedshed text line. Good on you, Keith. I uh, My sister-in-law's up there. She texted me last night, 34 degrees and sunny. Lucky ducks up there in Broome. He says, so how does Warner expect to be considered a leader of a national team? Baffling Peter. That's Keith from Broome. And on the uh, Scarborough Toyota open line at 13 12 55, Paul joins us. Hey, Paul, how are you going? Yeah, very well, Peter. I normally ring you when Kim's around, but uh, yeah, I'm glad you rung me. Talking. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you rung me when Kim's not here. I might be able to have, get a say in because Kim just dominates it when he's <laughs> here talking to you. So the uh, the the issue I, I see it as there's there's just too many competitions picking their own their own windows. I think there needs in the, in, with 2020 cricket these domestic competitions there needs to be some. So, some control over them all where every every country's entitled to have it in in their sort of summer period if you like but with a certain window and everyone's told look this is your five weeks this is your six weeks whatever you get your competition done in that period of time and there won't be competition for players we're in we're in a ridiculous situation here where we've got the uae we've got south africa we've got us with our bbl all on at the same time if david warner's going to get 700 for a year for playing in the UAE and probably, probably what, 300 here. Mm. He's only got a few years of cricket left. I mean, what, what are you going to do? I mean, yeah. everyone would go for the, for the extra money. You know, was, as much as we want to blame him and, and, and with some justification, you, you'd think the years of Australian cricket's put into him, it's probably time to give something back. But if you can, if you can get an extra, extra 400 for your family or yourself, why wouldn't you? Yeah. I, well, he's got, I, I, I'd it, like to think he can stay, but... Yeah, he's got plenty at but the it, moment. It does, Don't worry about not. that. He's got plenty, and he's made it, a lot out of cricket. And but in the end, in the end, how do you uh, decide uh, what decision Dave Warner makes? I think he'll always play Test cricket. That is uh, certainly the last bastion. Where, of course, I think if he ever turned his back on Test cricket and played T Twenty purely for the money, I think he'd be absolutely criticised heavily. But when it comes to this sort of scenario, I just feel. What do you do? What do you do? I, I, he's chasing, he's in, basically, this is his retirement fund, this is his superannuation. But I reckon deep down inside, you know what he said, I reckon, Paul? Bugger you. You know, you've restricted an opportunity for me to maybe, like he did in the IPL, he was captain of the Sunrisers Hyderabad. You're not allowing me, even though I've got an opportunity possibly, to captain a BBL side. Well, if you don't want me, maybe someone else does. And I just reckon he's... He's taken that attitude. That's only my opinion on it all, you know. So, well, did you did you notice that Fafty Fasees put himself into our draft at the same time that the uh, South African competition is on, and yeah. that's obviously not good for South African cricket. So, you know, we've we've got one going out and one coming in. I mean, you'd think that out of respect for all these major cricketing countries, they should have their own window which doesn't clash with anyone else. Yeah, no, fair call, Paul. And I reckon we could discuss it all day. And uh, I appreciate your comments and I respect your comments. And I think uh, you're not right or wrong, mate. Thanks for that. And Hags looks forward to your call tomorrow night. <laughs> Good on you. Paul of Gozzi's uh, joins us. Okay, uh, 16 past five. He's been waiting patiently online. Uh, we're speaking to Michelangelo Rucci, of course, uh, the co-host of The Run Home in Adelaide and former highly respected journalist. Uh, Rooch, a very good evening to you. 
Always a pleasure. Anyone who calls me a gentleman deserves my time, so there you are. Uh, he is a gentleman in more ways than one, is Ken Hinckley. He always conducts himself very well, the Port Adelaide coach. I tell you what, it's a bit of a bumpy ride for him at the moment, particularly when fans uh, post signs on billboards suggesting he needs to go. Yeah, the Sack Hinckley campaign, which has been going on for some time, which is a, just a reflection on... When you raise expectation, and we know that Port Adelaide put on this agenda that they'd win three flags in five years, and you also come from a football club that has a supporter base that pretty well used to order champagne every year because they play in a grand final every second year, win a flag every second year, or win them on a trot. To be without what we call the ultimate success since 2004 at any level, the AFL or even the Sanford where their traditions are, the... You know, the frustration builds, and what is most notable is that they had great hopes after being preliminary finals for two consecutive years that they were going to take the next step. Well, we know what AFL footy is about. You know, it's a big mountain, and sometimes you get close to the summit, and if you just don't get better, you quickly fall. Now, zero and five start put Port Adelaide in an enormous hole. Um, but what I keep reflecting on is. I've seen a lot of football teams that have bad starts and then disintegrate, which becomes you know, a question of, well, what sort of group were they? What was the coach doing? Does the coach become too stubborn and just pushes on with a failed system? Whereas what I've seen at Port Adelaide is, and I've said it repeatedly, and I know I get you know, trolled by a few people, so how can you say that? But Ken Inkley's actually coaching better this year than he ever has in any of the other years that he's been here at Port Adelaide. Now, what we saw at 0-5 and five was a coach that actually thought something's got to change, whether it be him, whether it be his game plan, whether it be his players. Now, other AFL coaches have noted that Port Adelaide has played differently since 0-5. and five. Uh, There's enough players and enough assistant coaches who will tell us that at 0-5, and five, Ken Inkley put new things on the table to make Port Adelaide better. And their results since then are, well, you know, they've got to, you know, 8 and 10, 11th spot, not where they want to be, but they've been so incredibly competitive against, you know, those teams that are ranked above them. They've got enormous results like we saw on the weekend where, you know, they get into a hole, kick eight goals in the third term, lose by two goals, which is pretty well the story of their year, where they're competitively close, but they're just not, you know, getting to the to the wins. So they're good. They're not great. And they've got a coach who's worked very hard to make them better. It's interesting. So he's been linked with the likes of GWS, which he's refutely denied a few weeks ago. He's been there almost a decade. People are saying in, eventually a coach needs to move on. We saw it with Alistair Clarkson and so-called the succession plan with Sam Mitchell. Is King Hinckley's time up, or can he reinvent himself? Well, technically, his time's not up by his contract. His contract until next year. Is his time up by the way he's coaching? In the sense that you know, I've seen other coaches in this town, and the most notable one was Neil Craig. Where I thought Neil Craig was a very, very good coach for Adelaide. He was unlucky not to get a flag in those years where they went ding dong with West Coast. But at the end, you know, when you get players at press conferences declaring they were bored, when you get 100-point losses, you knew then that the time was up. That was when Neil Craig fell on his sword. Well, we're not having any example of where you've got Port Adelaide players declaring they want out of Port Adelaide because 
they're bored of being here or don't think that Ken Inkley's the man who should be coaching them. We don't see 100-point losses. They had one bad one this year, which was against Hawthorne, but you know, put that as the outlier. Generally, they've been you know, super competitive, even if they haven't won the games against the, you know, the top eight clubs bar Sydney. So I, I just don't see where the time is up. It's it's pretty well the moment Port has that Geelong had with Mark Thompson and Richmond had with Damien Hardwick. It's Do you believe that the program is solid so you continue with it? Or do you actually go with you know what some people are saying, well, maybe it's time for a different voice? I'm, I'm more leaning to if the program's fine and the coach is actually showing that he's innovative, if the players are prepared to play, as we saw they did after half-time when they were in real trouble against Geelong... I would suggest you leave him to, you know, see out his contract and mm. see what happens this time next year. Now, people say, well, it's 10 years. Yeah, I understand it's 10 years. There's a few other clubs around the around the nation that would say that it's a long, long haul to getting a premiership. And, yeah, 18 teams, one winner. But is it just a league where you only have one winner every year? Can we look at other clubs and say, yeah, they're actually progressing to a point whereby... They've had some success this year, even if they haven't got a premiership trophy. It's interesting what you say regarding 100-point losses. Of course, uh, the big brand here is West Coast Eagles, and they were yeah. hammered with 100-point losses repeatedly in the first half of the season. Mm. And they're saying there was extenuating circumstances with COVID and, of course, injury yep. concerns and all that. But saying that, from afar, how do you view the West Coast Eagles? Adam Simpson is at the moment in place until the end of 2025 mm. and seems very comfortable in his own skin. Uh, from afar, have you seen the Eagles' performances acceptable with only two wins? No, I would say that it's a far drop from what I know of what West Coast should stand for. But they're now, in my eyes, a victim of decisions you make at list management, which you know, if you don't go to the draft often enough, you don't bring in enough youth, you don't keep injecting good talent into your side, but young talent or proven talent, you'll go stale and you'll fall away. I mean, there's enough examples over a long, long time of clubs that make bad decisions at list management. And Adelaide here in South Australia is going through that as well, whereby they're in a massive rebuild because of bad decisions they made at list management. And West Coast has got the same thing. They've got to now look at themselves and say, where where was their recruiting strategy? Where was their list management strategy? And what did they actually put on the plate so that Adam Simpson could actually deliver a second premiership under his watch? So... There's a fair few questions West Coast need to have a look at in terms of their football program. And if they're not asking them themselves, they're failing in keeping that football club where it should be. Mm. Michelangelo saying you've mentioned Adelaide Crows. There's been comments made today after what was quite a an incredible weekend that the game is in great shape. Uh, we know that the Jack Ginnivan incident across the weekend was a major talking point yesterday uh, and there's been a few other issues bubbling around when it comes to the AFL. Now we're in Western Australia, South Australia, it seems all the dialogue that the game's in great shape comes out of Victoria. What's your spin on where the AFL sits at the moment? Oh well there's, there's always the question of the game on and off the field. Um, off the field I've been most concerned about it taking its eye off what football is to be the moral compass of Australia. I, I get concerned when I see an AFL commission that doesn't have a football-related person. I mean, they've got great people on that commission, you know, great you know, leaders of you know their 
patches of society, whether it be in law or uh, social equality and all that sort of stuff. But we don't have anyone who's got a football background who, you know, like we've seen too often in the past, if you actually take your eye off the footy, you will, you're not actually doing the right thing by your game. Now, the game itself has had all sorts of issues this year where it's had mixed messages from AFL House, that issue of umpire dissent that was strong at the beginning now seems to have disappeared. They'll say they've they've won that battle to make it cleaner on the field. We get too many moments where we don't understand what's happening in ruck contests when the umpire blows his whistle. So, I mean, there's some issues there. But the biggest one of all is actually drawing people back to the game. We've had two years, certainly difficult in Melbourne, whereby people couldn't go to the game, found new ways to watch it, now are concerned about returning the game, whether it be by COVID or simply because they found a different way to watch it. So we've got some big challenges and and big questions still to be answered in the next month as to whether we go to 19s with Tasmania, what happens with an 18-team AFLW when we're seeing players wanting to become more and more professional in terms of, you know, time and the game and their pay scale. But the one thing I do know is that if you can, you know, dig up some old linoleum in an old house and find an old newspaper, there were always questions about where Australian football's been at. But I'm told from many people from long, long ago, it's such a great game, no matter how many times we try to stuff it up, we don't break it. Mm, Yeah, fair call. Is Geelong the team to run down now? How do you see, uh, as we head towards a real business end of the season, it's round 20 this weekend, and we've only got a few home and away fixtures mm-hmm. to go before the finals kick in in September. It just seems to me that Geelong is slowly but surely just creeping away from the rest. Yeah, I mean, we've got a, a league where everyone's jockeying, aren't they? They're just trying to find their position when they go to the real starting gates. It's September. You know, Geelong always put themselves in a great position, but they don't have the ultimate finals record of recent time. And Brisbane's a classic case of another one that, you know, doesn't have super record in September. I think what we're learning about this year, and particularly when we get the uncertainty of the COVID pandemic, and no one's going to stop finals because a team suddenly loses four players to the COVID rules, uh, you're going to need to be at your very best in September, not in August, not in July. Mm. So is Geelong with their two power forwards, and you saw them firsthand against Port Adelaide yeah. last weekend. Is that going to make a significant difference uh, if Hawkins and Cameron get their act together? And of course, Stengel, who you know very well, came from Adelaide. He's mm-hmm. been a, a revelation this season. Is that the difference? I would think there would be a lot of people around the competition wanting to get that game at Adelaide Oval on their video or laptops or whatever and have a look at the third quarter and ask... How did Port Adelaide actually stop Geelong for 30 minutes? So, no team's perfect. No team's got you know an unbeatable system. Even the great Brisbane team that won three flags in a row could be defeated at times. So, you know, look, they're impressive, Geelong, but I wouldn't say that they're the team I go and put my mortgage on and say that's paid <laughs> off on October one because they're going to win the flag. That it's not that certain this year, that's for sure. And finally, Fremantle. Kim Hagdorn, who you know very well, and myself, uh, he joins us on a Monday night for the Drive program. Uh, we're both convinced if Frio can't get over Melbourne on Friday night, there's probably no hope of them finishing in top four. We're still a bit concerned about their forward half. Are they a top four side in your eyes? I thought they'd be one of the big teams of this year. Um yeah, I thought they'd contend for the top four because I just like the progress they've made under Justin Longmuir. 
Um, yeah, top four, we've always said for some time you need to be in the top four to win it, but we've had so many examples. You know, that, oh, we always bring up the Western Bulldogs from, what was it, six or sevens. I, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be concerned to the point of, you know, Fremantle lost to Melbourne that I'd write them off because I still think there's a lot of things to unfold in September and you've just you've got to be at the right place and play your best footy at the right time. And I've seen Adelaide do it in 97, 98 when they weren't the best team in the home and away series, but they were the best team in September. Just, you know, never, never discount what happens in this game. We've seen so many surprise moments that I wouldn't be writing off Fremantle by one result, not at all. Mm. Michelangelo, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us here on My Drive program. I hear yours is going from strength to strength with Kimbo there in South Australia. And we'll keep in touch uh, in weeks to come, particularly with the finals just around the corner. I do look forward to it. Michelangelo Rucci, a real authoritarian when it comes to South Australian uh, football and sport. And it's great to have him on the program to talk about Ken Hinckley. He's very... Solid that Ken Hinckley should continue at the Port Adelaide Football Club, even though some supporters are getting a bit rabid in relation to where the current power coach sits and maybe saying it's time to move on. And Michelangelo certainly gave us his thoughts and also his thoughts on the West Coast Eagles and Fremantle and where the AFL sits at the moment. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more on the other side of the break here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. It's all brought to you thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre where you get the right tool from the start.